back. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. It is great to be with you. Welcome to the Jewish Growth Podcast. As we're recording today, it's Friday afternoon. We're about to read Chayesara, the Parsha where Avram purchases the Cave of Machpelah in Hebron. And I was thinking back to 2019. During a family trip to Israel, we visited two places that I, I longed to see for many, many years, Hebron and Shiloh, both major historic sites. And we're about to read about Avram's purchase of the cave of Machpelah in Hebron. And standing there during my visit at Marat HaMachpelah, our tour guide read verses from that very Parsha. And based on the verses and other factors, the guide explained why archaeologists believe that we have identified the correct site of the cave. And it's riveting to think that we know the actual piece of dirt where Avraham buried Sarah. And Shiloh, too, is also familiar on Rosh Hashanah. We read Hannah's stirring prayer at Shiloh. Today, we can stand in the very spot where she prayed. Both of these sites are located in the area known as the West Bank or the Yehudan Shomron regions, the biblical heartland of Israel. Driving through these areas, I felt a great challenge that faces modern Israel. On the one hand, I feel attached to this beautiful land that is integral to the Jewish past and the Jewish future. And on the other hand, the region is also home to millions of Palestinians, and there is a conflict, a terrible conflict, that Israelis live with every day. It's inspiring to walk in the land that our forefathers walked upon, and I believe deeply that this is Jewish land. It also was unnerving to drive through the streets of Hebron, where we have less than a thousand Jews and a population of about 200,000 Palestinians. Israel conquered these regions in the Six-Day War during a preemptive attack. Israel's attack was designed to overcome the existential threat of our neighbors preparing on our border to destroy the fledgling state only 20 years after the Holocaust. What is the Torah approach regarding these settlements? How should we treat Hebron? Is a two-state solution desirable or possible? These are not easy questions, and not only is there a huge debate in Israeli society at large about the matter, but within the religious Zionist community itself, there is great tension. There are intelligent Jews, of course, left, right, center, who view the issue differently from annexation to two-state solution and other ideas. There are a range of perspectives. Whatever your view, the conflicts that Israel faces are complex. About 20% of Israel's population is Arab. The West Bank, or Judea-Samaria, is both the biblical heartland of Israel. It's also of great strategic importance, but it's both that and the home of about 3 million Palestinians, as well as 500,000 or so Jews. This past week, three Israelis were tragically killed by terrorists in the settlement of Ariel. And there's no question that when Jews go to the ballot box, when Israelis go to the ballot box, their personal safety and security is top of mind. How does the Torah guide us in approaching the difficult issues that Israel faces in 2022? Does a, the reading of Avram and Hebron purchasing the cave, does it teach us a policy position for Israel today vis-a-vis Hebron? While we have a great Torah, it's not clear that our canon of responsa can instruct us in practical terms on how to untangle this fraught situation. Jews and even great rabbis of varying perspectives cite different sources in the Torah to support their belief or debunk the other side. 
And in light of that, we hesitate to derive a specific approach to the conflict from some verses in Genesis. And while we hesitate to derive spe specific policies from a few verses here, the Torah offers us principles that guide our lives and provide a framework for larger societal issues. The Midrash teaches us, Masa Avos Simon Labanim, the deeds of the fathers, the patriarchs, are a sign for the children. The attributes of the patriarchs and matriarchs shape our moral universe. Earlier we learned that Avram commanded his children and his household, the Shamru, Derech Hashem, Lasos Tzedakah Mishpat, they guarded the way of God, doing justice and righteousness. This is not mere poetry, it represents an actual set of behaviors. When Avram sought to purchase the cave of Machpelah, Ephron suggested that he would just give it to Avram for free. But Avram insisted that he compensate Ephron properly, and he paid him with choice, currency. Ephron referred to Avram at that moment as you are the prince of God in our midst. So Avram wasn't just a religious dude. He was recognized by real people as a representative of the true king. When Avram sends Eliezer to find a wife for Yitzchak, Avram told Eliezer that he will have him swear by Hashem, God of heaven, God of earth, to find a woman from Avram's family home in Haran. Now, Rashi notes a contrast between this verse and a statement a few sentences later when Avram says that Hashem, Elokei Hashemayim, Asher Lekachani Mebeis Avi, Hashem the God of heavens who took me from my father's house. Why does Avram first refer to, to Hashem as God of heaven and God of earth, and later refer to him only as the God of heaven? Rashi notes that the two verses refer to two different periods of Avram's life. When referring to his earlier life, when he left his father's home, Avram refers to Hashem only as God of heaven. But in the present, as he sends Eliezer back to Haran, Avram has already taught many people, and so he refers to Hashem as God of heaven and God of earth. Rashi elaborates, embellishing Avram's words. Rashi says, Now he is the God of heaven and earth. For I have accustomed God's name in the mouth of creatures. However, when he initially took me from my father's house, Hashem was only the God of heaven and not the God of earth, because at that time, God's name was not yet accustomed in the land. Ephraim is right. He said that Avram was Nasi Elohim, a prince of God in our midst, Avram was in a lifelong campaign to bring Hashem from the theoretical heavens to actual life on earth. There are countless ways that we learn from Avraham. When Avram experienced tension and toxicity with Lot, he arranged a mutually beneficial transition. Then when Lot got into trouble, Avram still risked his life to, to save his estranged nephew. Avram ran to do chesed with his guests, and now Eliezer seeks a daughter-in-law who will also walk in the path of kindness. Avram influenced people around him. The Torah devotes multiple columns to the conversations of Eliezer with Rivka and others, and his conversations show us how Eliezer absorbed Avraham's worldview, his view of God's providence. The Midrash remarks, The conversations of the servants of the patriarchs those who spent time with the patriarchs is even greater than the Torah of the later generations. 
Avram instilled within people around him a perspective that God was guiding their life. There is Jewish law, but there's also a derech. There's a path of living that we derive from the Torah. For example, we have a prohibition in the Torah against Lashon Hara, gossip. Now, technically, that applies amongst Amitacha, your fellow Jew. If one gossiped about their non-Jewish neighbor, it's not a technical transgression. Recently, my daughter was telling me about a girl whose father said that it's a good thing they have a non-Jewish neighbor that they can speak Lashon Hara about. And this rubbed me the wrong way. Is this the spirit of Torah to gossip about our non-Jewish neighbors? Avram was known to his neighbors as a man of God, a prince of God. Did such a person enjoy bad-mouthing people? The Navi teaches us that the throne of David, the kingship, is sustained through tzedakah and mishpat, justice and righteousness, not just ideas that apply to a government, but they actually start in our moment-to-moment lives. Now, there are a range of views on how to approach the burning and, and very difficult, tragic even, issues of our day, like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Various sources can be marshaled in support of one view or another. But the most important thing is that we all strive to live and, and embody Jewish values. There's no question that Jewish people can exhibit values that are antithetical to the Torah. Some people have advanced in recent years the idea that we ought to bring about Messiah through violence and brute strength. There have been occasions when extremists have chanted Mavetli Aravim, death for the Arabs, have chanted this in Israeli streets, a clarion call of the far-right extreme, no doubt a real fringe extreme in that society. But while these people may be grappling with some of the very difficult situations Israel faces, this, of course, is not the path of Torah. Racism is abhorrent to our Jewish values. All people are created in the image of God, and therefore, says the Tiferes Israel, a commentary on the Mishnah, classic commentary, we must strive to do kindness with all people and never degrade anyone, Jewish or non-Jewish. We don't have a clear canon of response to instruct us and exactly how to untangle the incredibly challenging issues that Israeli society faces. There are different developed and sophisticated views about this. A lot is in the hands of leaders, but they may take their guidance from public opinion or from their teachers or from forces that are greater than them. But for the rest of us, our teachers are the patriarchs and the matriarchs and, of course, the Torah, because the, the patriarchs and matriarchs gave us a picture of human greatness. And so we need to consider the moments in our own life. For example, when we do business with or interact with non-Jewish neighbors and colleagues. Suppose you're making a business deal with a non-Jewish person. What is the right way to act in that relationship? The answer is that we should act in a way that causes others to declare, to believe that we are that nasi elokim, a prince or princess of God. And so when you read the Torah, Consider, learn from the attributes of our forefathers and foremothers so that you can learn from them. You might not be able to resolve the profound challenges that Israel faces, but we can learn to embody the values of the Torah in our real lives. And when we do this, then we, like Avraham, will make Hashem in heaven our actual king on earth. Thanks so much for being with me. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.